What's up, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to an episode here of the podcast version of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. If you want to hear the live versions, make sure you tune in every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Today, we're sitting down with my friend, Mr. David Nestor here, drum tech and drummer extraordinaire from Mr. Aaron Lewis's band here. Let's have a chat with him. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of Radio Wigwam, Palangi Studio of Rock. Today, we got drummer extraordinaire in the building, David Nestor, who currently drums for Aaron Lewis from the band Stained as well. Just take those two and smoosh them together. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good. Um, where are you at right now? Uh, right now, we're in Albuquerque, New Mexico. How's the weather yeah. going? All right, now it's actually not bad. I walked over and got some Chipotle. Um, it was probably mid seventies, sunny. It was okay. really nice. Okay. Now everyone, he's on tour right now with Aaron Lewis, and um, what I want to know is uh, the, my first question would be food. <laughs> How's the food diet on the tour? Well, I mean, you you don't have to eat bad food, but um, you don't have to eat it all. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so after show food is usually what people always say is, um, the bad food, like pizza on the bus around 11, okay. 11, 30, something like that. Right before you go to bed, not always ideal. Um, a lot of times we get fast food instead of pizza, but, uh, if you really wanted to like focus on a diet, you just have to label your food on the bus and nobody else eats it and try to try to take up the fridge before everybody else does. Yeah. That must be hard too. be like the dude ate my macaroni. <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. mean we do get bus stock uh which is cool but it's just standard stuff stuff to make sandwiches chips um yeah yeah waters stuff like that but yep. uh yeah i mean it's it's not too hard surprisingly when i did van and trailer tours that was different because there wasn't anywhere to keep food so you oh. basically had to do fast food it was the most affordable way of doing it yeah um and they bring it to you every yeah. day or do you have to get it Usually you would have to do it uh, or like the tour manager would kind of coordinate it and then everybody would make an order together. Uh, We do that sometimes too. If the venue doesn't provide food, uh, we do a group order somewhere. Uh, Whatever's convenient, honestly. That's one thing I never get is why wouldn't a venue provide banned food? You know what I mean? You're playing, they might as well feed you. Yeah. uh, A lot of tours, from my experience, they do what they call a buyout. So if Mm. they don't provide food, they'll give you money to go get it or order it yourself. But yeah, some of the nicest venues I've been in this year. Don't provide any food. It's been wow. confusing. Do they give yeah. you water at least? Yeah, yeah. You get like yeah. bus stock is what they call. So you always get like uh, whatever's on your bus stock rider. So like chips and salsa, peanut butter and jelly, bread, meat and cheese. <laughs> um, sometimes apples, uh, LaCroix, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the band requests to be on the bus. Plus in the um, hotels. So that's usually fulfilled. They, they have breakfast so you can kind of swipe whatever you want you know, bananas and all that kind of stuff. Being a drummer, I know what it's like being a singer, but being a drummer, what do you, what do you have to eat or what do you have to watch out for? Like, can you eat pizza at 11 o'clock and be okay for the next day or? Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of times you don't have an option. And if you play a late show, cause a lot of our shows have been starting at like nine 30 and by 11 ish. Yeah. Um, then we have to pack up cause I don't have a drum tech currently. So I still have to pack up my gear. Ooh. So, I mean, you're still pretty hungry after the show. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely would say you can easily do that because I have to on a daily basis. But you want to definitely pace yourself. I only eat like a piece or two, if that. Um, yeah. 
small past, meals, when I right? First, oh yeah. When I first started to do this, I didn't necessarily do that. And you'll wake up regretting it pretty quickly. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh. I was like, mm-hmm. why the hell is he talking about food today? I'm mm-hmm. in a food mood. <laughs> yeah. Food coma. That's real. Yeah. And it's a lot of, I always say like fans and stuff, they, they don't, um, they don't think how food is a major important part of a tour and somehow mm-hmm. how, how it's almost like a big pain in the ass sometimes, Especially if you if you sing too, where you like you have to have certain things, you have to do certain things to order to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always like, you know, probably I never thought of it, but the drummer and the singer probably have the hardest diet part, where a guitarist could go out there in any shape and probably be okay. I always said that for the most part. For the <laughs> most, most part, part. And, you most know, part. there's there's different levels Not for sure. Drunk, but I mean, but. <laughs> right, right. On our on our bus, we almost always have tea and a mm-hmm. little pot to make tea and coffee. Yep. Um, and honey and everything else that vocalists might use to to keep their throat and vocal cords in check. You know what I mean? Because yep. um, we do have two guys besides Aaron that sing, and those guys usually are pretty good about having tea and taking good yeah. care of themselves physically. Honey um, cough drops. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if they do cough drops, but I've heard that helps. It, it does now. Yeah. A little thing. So I, I opened for Aaron in 2013 and I specifically, when we're on this topic, asked him, we were hanging out and I go, what do you do to prep your voice, to warm up your voice? And he goes, I just smoke cigarettes. <laughs> That's probably all he sounded does. Just like that. It probably sounded just like that too. <laughs> I was like, really? I've never seen a guy with an electric cigarette, a regular cigarette and something else and just going through one thing at a time. Oh, really? I was like, yeah, I was I like... I haven't seen the e-cigs yet. I know he oh. smokes regular cigarettes. I mean, well, this was 2013, so they, they were, you know, I guess legal ago. then, too. Now, I don't think they're legal anymore, at least not in New York. No, they're starting to get rid of a lot of them, aren't they? Yeah. Which I, don't, probably I don't pay for anything, so... A good thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Especially if it's doing bad things to your health. I, I yeah, laughed my is, ass uh, off when I heard that. <laughs> he's definitely one of those... Um, some people call him like a vocal freak because he doesn't need to warm up really. He can go up yeah. there normally and just kill it for an hour and a half, two hours and yep. then do the same thing. And he tours with his acoustic stuff almost all year. So like we're done with our full band tour October 2nd. It's our last full band show. And he's doing the next five to six months all acoustic. Wow. And he's doing yeah, stained too at the same I don't know time, exact right? Dates. Yeah. So uh, that tour starts um, I think September 6th or 7th yep. in Massachusetts. I'm, I'm going to be out there as a drum tech and doing playback for them. Okay. I know somebody um, mentioned kind of that just, show and I was like, oh yeah, I go, it's, 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 it's coming up. It's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I think they're doing 12 or 13 dates in September. Nice. Um, so we have two days of one day of tech rehearsal, one day full band rehearsal, and then a show all at the same place, uh, up in Massachusetts. So, should be pretty good. It'll be my first time working with Stained as a tech, but I met them as a tech for Corn when they opened for Corn. Uh, okay. On on the summer tour last summer, so that's kind of how this all came to be. Nice. One thing always leads to another. Yeah, man. I just watched yeah. the uh, the ninety nine Woodstock thing with with Corn and how they they tore apart the audience. <laughs> that was like the yeah. line in the sand, step number one for the downfall of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a cool documentary, though. Yeah, that was really neat. And um, yeah, so before I want to get into some of your background too, but my one of my questions is: so you guys change your songs up because obviously Aaron Lewis's <laughs> country stuff 
got his country and then he's got his rock hard rock i like i like the mix that you do between throwing in like a the hard rock version of what you think is the the stain song and then all of a sudden you hear slide guitar or you hear something like that or a harmonica mm-hmm. and um i'm just wondering for you as a drummer do you go about where okay i'm gonna learn like the stained rock version and then, you know, I know Aaron's country stuff. Do I do something in between? Do I change parts? Or, like, what's your thinking on that? Uh, so when I first got the gig, that was definitely my thinking. So um, they sent me a set list plus extra songs we might change out. Yep. And um, before they sent me a board mix, because they actually had a full band board mix of Aaron Lewis and the State Liners from before, because uh, they had the same drummer for about 10 years. Yep. Um, but he had done it for... I don't know, 30 plus years and he was ready to retire. He was in his mid fifties. So it was time, you know? Oh, wow. Um, great drummer, great, um, country drummer from Texas, but he wrote some pretty cool parts that Aaron wanted us to keep. So like at first I learned the album versions of all of these songs, his country stuff and the Spain stuff. But then, you know, a few weeks into learning it, they were like, no, you need to learn the board mix. So they sent me a board mix and it is, it is very different than the record. Like, I for got sure. it. All of a sudden, Oh, well, there's interludes <laughs> and uh, like intros and uh, the way they transition from song to song sometimes is, you know, it's really important to have it exactly the way that he wanted it because it's his show and mm. um, it's a comfortability. Yeah. yeah. It's a comfortability yeah. thing. So is there a click? At do, first. do you play for a click at all? A couple songs or no? Uh, most of the songs I have a click. Yeah. I have oh, my okay. iPad with a tempo app. Um, okay. no backing tracks or any playback or anything, just click for me. And then the guitar player, the lead guitar player, Chuck gets click. Okay. Um, so we at least start every song with it and it's usually for a delay pedal mostly and to get us on track. Yeah. But depending yep. on the day and the crowd, sometimes, you know, the show can ebb and flow. Um, so if Aaron is going a little slower on a song, feeling it out, I'll stop the click and we'll just flow with him. Oh, okay. Um, but it's definitely something that I've been told a few times I need to try to make sure I push so he doesn't slow down too much. Like that's my job, obviously. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Because sometimes you have no idea, you know what I mean. Right. With especially being a singer out there, or mm-hmm. it's like you feel like you're playing fast enough, and you watch the footage back, and you're like, "That was slow." <laughs> you yeah. ever realize that? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The adrenaline on stage changes everything, man. Um, yeah. It is. It is a good thing to be on track when it comes to the click, but it also just needs to be a, a backup for your own personal tempo. So a lot of people rely on it so much they can't play with their own natural metronome yes and yeah. over the years that's actually in my opinion more important because electronics are not always reliable yeah. so yeah if something happens to where if you have a playback system that goes off which it happened you know in the past which we can talk about from my playback and drum teching gigs i've had um but normally the band should be able to play without any of that stuff because that's how it all started right yeah back in yeah. the day nobody used them no there's well, the drummer Mm-hmm. Drummer That's and the bass the player, the housing, and they keep they keep the beat. You know, supposed to. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends nowadays rely on it pretty hard, and I'm like, just make sure you practice without, because you never know. I I'm nope. I don't rely on it, but I um we did it. So there's drums, and I play electric and sing. So there's no bass, and all the extra stuff is on a backing track to the actual song. And the drummer will actually almost it's almost like being in a studio. They'll actually play that version of it. But you'd be surprised. I don't hear any of that. So there's still room to to maneuver around, even though he's playing to a click. And actually, the the recording is kind of playing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I was surprised where it's like, well, you'd be surprised. You can, you can kind of, you can lag a little bit and then you can, you know, do things, but you're right. Everything's got to be planned that way. If you're going to have, you know, a part in between, it's going to be longer. You have to edit it with a computer and then export it. Mm-hmm. And and there you go. So yeah. that's, that's cool. I've never thought about where you start with the click just so you're, you're on track, you get an idea and you're not too far off and then turn right. it off. I mean, yeah. the goal is to keep it on. Definitely. Like the oh, okay. whole show if I can. Um, but there are certain parts where we'll play, um, one part slower if the, the crowd gets into a chant or something. Yeah. Um, because they get them. no, <laughs> that'll never, never be a thing with this gig. I'll tell you that. No, no, no it'll not be. this gig. No, no. I'll, I'll throw in some cool fills when we, when we as a group, like get big. And then at the very end of the set, yep. there's like a little, a little bit of fun, double bass and fun fills, but no, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. They need me to be, you know, right on the backbone and stick with it. Cause I mean, at a certain level, you're just supposed to play what you're supposed to play and then get off stage. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a discipline too, because, uh, a lot of people are always like, man, is, is country boring? And they, they ask me if I'd rather be playing something else. And it's all in, um, your own perspective. I think. Yeah. Being a professional drummer doesn't mean you're doing a drum solo every single time you get on stage. And it also doesn't mean you're playing as fast as you can and sweating like crazy. Sometimes yeah. it's about finesse and technique and like mm-hmm. just being part of the band because it's not my show, right? So I try to be as entertaining as possible without distracting too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes even if drummers can be amazing and like rip it up, sometimes it's like you're playing a little too much because we need to focus. You're, we're not animals as leaders, right? Yeah. I'm not up there with two other virtuosos that can rip or whatever. And we're just yeah. playing music. It's yeah. mostly based around the vocals. I've seen that in your two videos and stuff too, where I was like, you know, um, I noticed where is where you were keeping the groove and stuff and you throw in some of the things that you like of your own. Like you said, some fills and stuff, but A little pr- bit, primarily yeah. it's, it's the same drum parts and mm-hmm. the flow and all that, which is cool. Yeah. You gotta be tasteful with it. So it's not too like, uh, repetitive. It does keep it interesting for myself too, but yeah. Cause you might find to, some songs like the that show. beats are similar, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you're like, well, can I throw in live maybe to for sure. We have two that are almost identical with the BPMs and with like the format of the song and the beat. Yeah. Um, so I have to mix it up a little bit without throwing them off. Cause it needs to be pretty close to the same. Now, is there, is there, I noticed uh, music that's coming out now. There's not too many songs where the chorus has a ride anymore. Remember like the seventies, the sixties, even eighties, almost every chorus, a lot of chorus had that ride stuff. Now it's like gone. It's mm-hmm. bare. It's barely even there. I'm like, you don't even need a ride symbol anymore. A lot of bands don't, they just do hi-hat and crashes. And then they have like a bell on top of one of your crashes. Like for- a China. Whoosh, I seen that China that you yeah. had. <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes when yeah. i like before we moved from ohio my drum studio i was starting to like expand the kit and i had two chinas on either side which is great a lot of fun wow for accents and stuff. that would be cool yeah so everybody you can check out uh david he's got a youtube channel i noticed he does the v vlog the what is it v blog log it's it's a video log yeah a video blog basically but yeah. they call them vlogs it's, it's kind of annoying but <laughs> yeah well, it's not though, because you're you're documenting your touring, you're documenting experiences, and let's go into so these videos are you doing like cover songs and different uh, like drum solo stuff that's in your mm-hmm. home studio. That was yeah. So uh, we okay. moved to outside of Nashville, um, actually in the middle of this tour, 
So uh, we wanted to kind of capitalize on selling our house while the market was good for sellers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we did that. We moved from Ohio to Nashville and I don't have a studio currently. So we're working on that. I got to uh, figure out some gigs first because obviously studio stuff is not cheap. No, it takes a long time to get together and build. and. Yeah. So we, we don't really have a lot of space in the house we moved into. Okay. So I might, I might look into getting, um, like one of those sheds they can actually deliver to the house and then retrofit the inside just for drum studio stuff. Yeah. And they have the high um, peak ceilings already. Yep. Yep. So I might, I might look into getting one of those and just making it all about recording and doing video and audio for drums. And then if we ever move, I can take that shed with me. So we might even look into like the tiny homes that are built on like a actual chassis. Yep with wheels and an axle to see, but yep. this is further on down the line. I have to save up a little bit first. So and you can actually do, you can actually record parts and stuff from your house if you wanted to, right? Like demos and stuff. Yep. yep. So that's what I was able to do at the old house. So yeah, a lot of my okay. drum videos, you'll see a yellow wall with sound panels on the walls. And then I painted the walls white. All of those videos were from my old drum studio. In okay. Ohio. Okay. Yeah. You re you released one that surprised me. I go, I know he's, he's got some like metal in him somewhere. You just released yeah. the, the metal drum cover was that a, is that a stone sour slipknot one of those slipknot yeah, yeah. It was a slipknot song called unsainted um yep. but yeah that was one of the first ones i did it was like back in 2020 right when okay. the pandemic had kind of shut down all the touring yeah um so i was like well it's time to start making videos of the house so i had luckily a, a decent size enough room in the basement that was just for storage that we completely rebuilt and made it into that and I was able to do quite a bit of recording in there and do a lot of videos. So yeah, I was thankful for sure to have that. Yeah. Cause it's like, what, what else are we going to do during this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Besides yeah. get and sick. <laughs> right. And moving closer to like, oh. you know, music city. Yeah. Uh, all my friends that I know there that play, they have to rent studios or rent spaces because a lot of them still live in apartments or even if they have houses, they're too close to other people to like play full kits, you know? So that gets costly too. It does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, Aaron, he lives, he's got a place in Massachusetts, I think. He lives like three hours from me. Does he, uh, why did you move to Tennessee? Is it because it's more centralized or? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there. So bands I had worked with in the past, um, the, the gig I gave up to another drum tech friend before this gig came along, the Aaron Lewis gig, was drum teching for Greta Van Fleet and they're based out of Nashville. Wow, yeah. They used to be based out of Michigan where they're from. Um, but they moved down there for, you know, management and label and it just centralized. You can keep all your gear there. You have practice spaces you can rent in those places. So right okay. now I think, I mean, there's tons of spots in Nashville. You have SIR, player, um, PGP. There's a lot of places to keep gear and also rehearse. Okay. <clears throat> like what, full size rooms to do full rigs and everything. What have you done be before this? Go, go into a little bit of history of where'd you start? Did you start at a young age or? Kind of. Uh, so I started touring. Um, my first tour was doing merch for my buddies in a band called the devil Rose Prada. Uh, okay. they were from the Dayton area too. Cause that's where I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Um, grew up there anyway, born in New York, but they had a merch need last minute. And I was just doing a lot of local band stuff. Uh, just working locally as like a server at a restaurant, um, trying to make music work. And I was like, well, I'll quit the server job and try tour see what happens. Luckily, networking with the bands around the tour it led to you know one of my first touring gigs um that following year playing drums for a band called my children my bride okay um they were like a hardcore band on solid state they're still around i just don't know if they tour very much okay 
Um, don't did really you, talk uh, to those guys anymore. Did you make any money that very, very first tour? I did actually, because okay. merch guys, you know, you can make tips. Um, and depending on your deal, sometimes you get percentage of sales. Okay. Um, I didn't at the time and they, they paid me enough to pay my bills for sure. They took care of me because my, wow. my first tour was on a bus with them. Um, but then I'm like moved backwards technically. Cause I went to a van and trailer for my first playing gig. Um, yeah. yep. so it's definitely the way to go. In my opinion, you got to work your way up. But if I know a lot of people who have only toured on buses. Yeah. They like you're, you, you do the hotel room stuff that gets costly too. But, it can, yeah. unless yeah. you like do joint rooms and and whatever. But yeah, so started doing that, and then I took a long break, about six and a half years. Oh, uh, really? I was married, and um, it wasn't really a good situation to tour at the time. It's a lot of personal stuff that I probably just don't want to get into. It's a little annoying and dramatic, but not anymore. I mean, I'm happier now. We we both are in a better place. Good, good. Um, and, um, once well, touring is work, hard on any relationship cause you're not there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you're like trying to work your way up financially, it's not always ideal. Uh, you always no. have to have something else to make money on the side or when you're home. Or there's a gig that comes up and it's like, <clears> well, it's, it's that big opportunity gig and you got to go play it, but either you're not getting paid or you're getting paid a little bit, but then there's this tour coming out, you know, so what do you do? You know what I mean? Do you right. go for, you know, the award show that's free or, you know what I mean? <laughs> Right, <laughs> but it's going right. to cost you $2,000 yourself to play that show. <laughs> right. Yeah. So basically, uh, as soon as the divorce was done, I had been in and out of uh, some pretty solid construction jobs and made good money, but um, was never satisfied, was always kind of looking back on the music thing and how much I wanted that to be my career and um, ha- had that direction because I'd seen so much success in close friends that had been in the industry for a while. Yeah. So I was like, all right, what do I need to do to get to that point? So divorced in 2015, I think it was August of 2015. And I was on tour in September because I had put my feelers out to my network. And I said, Hey, I don't care if I need to drum tech or whatever. I just want to be involved in the touring industry. I want to be a drummer for sure. But I know getting back into it, that's not easy to get your name back out there because nobody knew who I was. Yeah. Did you know, you know, <clears throat> Brian Craddock from the band Daughtry around that time? No, I don't think okay. so. Because I thought your your name came up somewhere between those years. I was trying to look for a drummer to record with. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. Um, it might have been a year later, though. Okay. But I swore as you looked familiar and stuff, and I was like, "Well, I think he was on a tour with somebody else. Somebody else mentioned him, but I don't think we went with Scotty Derrico, and then uh, the the record after we we had uh, I think somebody else on there, but um." Uh, what was it leading to? I don't know. Anyways, out there, people, sometimes I forget my stuff here. But thanks for tuning in to Radio Wigwam here. We got a few more questions. We're going to be sitting down just a little longer here with David. Also, I want to recognize that this show is sponsored by Alyssa Ebersold Concert Photography and Graphic Design. She shot photos for not only me, but a lot of local bands. And she does uh, a lot of touring artists too, like Daughtry, everyone that comes up here in the Northeast. And uh, if you're lucky enough, if you want to grab her for a tour, do whatever you want, you know, she'll, she'll design logos and all that good stuff. And also shout out. I am wearing the pig hog cables t-shirt today, everyone out there in the audio world. Um, Because let me tell you, they, they treat artists very, very well. I've known him for a couple of years and uh, 
some of you, you guys out there know that we had a house fire last year and I lost all, all the studio stuff and, and they helped me out a lot with all the cords because all, all of my, almost all of my cords are pig hog. I have like over a hundred and something cords. <laughs> so that's awesome. Them and a few other, uh, you know, like warm audio and, and cad cad audio. Some of these brands are, are really good, um, to artists. And that segue is actually my next question. Cause I want to talk about, if you have any endorsements and gears and and are you at a point where when maybe when you first started that there was a brand that really helped you out too that necessarily was like you know we don't just help out the big guys and this and this but we want to help out you know everybody yeah yeah i'm glad you asked um so the first company i worked with uh before i stopped playing for a while was shine custom drones really small company okay um they're not a company anymore uh, but they definitely liked to help like more of the underground, like warp tour kind of bands. Cause yeah. I was in a pop punk band. Um, and we did like that kind of, um, show circuit, like I would say, but, um, no, recently I've been with spawn drums for the last couple of years. Um, I used their kits for a while cause I bought one used online. Okay. I've heard of I, them. I've never seen yeah. one in real life. <laughs> yeah, actually you posted something about red. I wasn't sure if you were just going to that show or if you know them or anything. Um, yeah. but their drummer, their old drummer used to play spawn. Okay. I heard they're really, um, really good. I've just up some reason up, up here in upstate New York, we don't get that brand. I've never seen it. I've, I've always heard of in it. Southern, Southern California. It's like the exact opposite. Yeah. Um, you know, in the U S so, yep. um, they're a really good company. Brian spawn is the owner. Uh, he makes most of the drums himself by hand. Yep. Um, so you can't really get away from quality there cause he's yep. doing it for quite a long time. He's actually a drum tech himself too. Um, I think he's out with Gavin DeGraw, but he knows drums very well. So, you know, when you get a product from him, it's going to be nice and, yeah. and really well made and take care of. And he, he, you know, gives me a discount. I still pay for my gear, but, um, it's a very gener- generous discount. Yeah. And that, um, help, that helps a lot too. It, it does. does. So besides uh, the drums, I have um, Simtech Symbols. It's owned by Brian Spawn too. He's a partner in that company. So oh, okay. it's actually the same company-ish. So when I got on with Spawn and had the, the kit that I have out now, um, it's a, a gold glass glitter. It's actually gold broken glass glitter. Um, all maple kit sounds really, really good. Uh, in any case, I also have the symbol endorsement with them. So Simtech Symbols, you can look them up and Spawn Custom Drums both really good companies. Um, I can't say anything bad about either of them really. I mean, I just wish Brian could pump out more drum kits, but that would take away from the handmade side of it. So there's pros and cons. Obviously, if you go with a big company, you might be able to get free stuff. Maybe nowadays, I doubt it. You probably still have to pay anyway. So you might as well pay for a quality product. Um, that's made by somebody you can trust, especially handmade drums. Big difference. J was it S J C drums or something like that. Mm-hmm. They do homemade stuff too. Yeah. And, uh, good I know, company. yeah, they're really good too. They, I came across them, I think in like 2015 or so they help out, they help out everybody. <clears throat> that's another brand. That's, that's mm-hmm. everybody. Um, yeah, I have a few friends that play SJC. What was your very first set you ever bought or got, or got? it was a, a Franken kit. Um, so my parents bought me, I think I was like 14 or 15 when they got one of those first act drum kits. Yeah. <laughs> I think they yeah. used to sell them at like Walmart, maybe. Did you, did you break the skin like on the second? 
<laughs> no, I tried <laughs> to I tried to get into playing it, man, and I didn't oh. do marching band or anything. And I just I don't know if I was embarrassed because of the quality wasn't good, or mm. I know that they didn't like the loud noise. So there were limitations there. So I kind of gave it up for a little while. I got back into it like hard when my band or my my buddy's band needed a drummer, and then I bought like a pearl kit that was yeah. like random pearl export drums that didn't match. I think the kick drum was like a gray wrap and the rack tom was like blue sparkle or <laughs> tom was like black. And I think I had another rack tom that I didn't really use very much. That was red. Yeah. Um, yeah. 300 bucks, bought it from a friend and the rest was history. After that, I started to watch shows of my band when I joined and I would take notes on how bad I was like keeping time, oh, okay. making really, really funny faces because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and just everything overall, like trying to find a way to get better. I just had to start practicing like yeah. until my parents screamed at me to stop making noise. <laughs> Honed in on your craft. That's really important Try too. To. Cause some things you don't even know that you're doing and you're, you could be like, that show was amazing. Everyone tells you it's really good. And then, so you think you are really good for some reason. And you watch the footage back and you're like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely important oh. to do that. I still do that to this day. Most of the shows that we play, even if I don't post videos from each show, I try to record most of them with my GoPro. Yeah, try to watch them. Um, I love that footage, too, of you putting that up there because it gives gives a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, promotes the shows. And good. from a drummer, drummer's per, uh, perspective, is is different. You know what I mean? Then it's usually yep. like the singer throwing some stuff you know what i mean but drummers you get like the that's the backstage you're you're the mm -hmm. drummer you know what i mean mm -hmm. so yep. it's cool i'm glad you like them um because sometimes obviously doing this all the time besides like still setting up my kit still playing the show still tearing down and still trying to stay busy and work out when i can and be healthy on the road that's, yeah it's a lot of work to film and still edit and be able to release that's why i can't release things every single day yeah on the same the day stuff. i made it and upload it because also signals a thing on tour. People don't talk about that. Yep. Sometimes I have zero phone or internet signals. Sometimes the internet hotels don't work. Sometimes the venue doesn't have internet. Yep. Yep. Um, so it's another thing that's interesting. And they act like yeah. it's a guarantee nowadays. Like, well, you know, there's internet everywhere. You can upload this. And even, yeah. even um, you know, people out there, like you make a reel, right? You have to word it right. Use the hashtags. You got to tag everybody. Right? That's only on Instagram. Then you have to take that video and do it for other platforms. It, I know it takes me about an hour, hour and a half a day to do a, a right reel, you know, a certain way. And I'm like, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a but necessary evil you know? it is that's how i found you actually was uh, one of the reels popped up and i was like oh Perfect. yeah i remember aaron lewis and i was like well he must have got a different drummer and i was watching some stuff and i actually seen the v the vlog stuff on youtube too because nice. i was like okay he does some studio stuff yeah yeah so. try to i mean it definitely, uh, the pandemic was a good thing for drum covers and like setting up my own studio and learning yeah. more on the recording side of things um, and I did do some tech tutorials too with a media company that did really good videos with me. Um, but those didn't really do much, but it was just kind of cool to show like my techniques on how I do things. And if people ever ask like, Hey, how do you tune a drum or how do you go about teching? I'm, I can just send them the links to these, you know, 10 to 20 minute long videos we made. Yep. Hopefully they're self-explanatory enough to be able to either use that for yourself or get some ideas and make it your own. Yeah. I um, try. I don't have too too many other drum questions here because I I've drummed over the. What do you think of the electronic kits? I had a, Le a Lisa Strike Pro. 
for a while. And some people are like, I've owned the Roland TD20 and a few other things. And what do you think about electronic kits? Well, because of where we moved, I had to get one to at least have something to jam on. Um, If you're going to go with an electronic kit, unfortunately, you're going to want to spend some money. Uh, if you want it to feel real, you want to get mesh heads more than sure. a regular kit. I mean, you're spending like Roland's got a $7,000 kit. I'm like, come on, you know, come on. You don't need that unless you're like a <laughs> professional for sure. I mean, or like somebody that just has money and is a hobbyist, but yeah. Um, I bought a used Roland kit. I forget. I think it's the, the TD 17. It's a lower end one. Yep. Or mi- middle of the road. I would, I would say, cause it does have the mesh heads or whatever. It's the touring uh, the, one. The they call it the, the tour head series. It's got, the, yeah. 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 Yep. So I bought that, um, used or whatever. And you use a regular hi-hat stand with it. It has like a, a remote clutch. Yep. Uh, kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's okay. It's not going to be the same as real drums ever. Yeah. But it's a good solution to people that have apartments or places they can't make noise. Um, the other stay fresh and like keep your chops up. Yeah. Cause you lose, you don't get that same hit. You don't get the same, actually the drums are spaced out wicked. You know what I mean? Compared to an electronic well, you, kit too. Yeah. You should be able to adjust them. So that's the one thing that I don't necessarily like about some of the um, racks that come with these electronic kits. Mm. They're, they're kind of set up to not really be um, close to anybody's full size kit that I've been on anyway. Like nobody really plays like, yeah, you could space you them out. Adjusting. You got a pad that's that small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is I need but, to get some newer pads because even my like floor tom pads are only like this big. And yeah, check out uh, the Elisa's Strike Pro or whatever their line is now. You can uh, layer sounds. That's the key to making your set a lot cooler. Because I was like, okay. the standalone sounds. I don't care what you do to them; they're just okay. They're always right. okay. I've heard them live. What do you think? Like, there's bands like, um, I'm pretty sure they like Tremonti and stuff. They've used electronic kits on their, on the records. I'm pretty sure the samples and stuff over them. I know people that actually used, um, uh, that same set. I forgot what the band was. Uh, a pretty big band too. And I was like, you use that. Oh, power man 5,000 used electronic kit for a lot of their records. Um, the last two or three, I remember seeing some pictures. I understand drum replacement. Um, yeah. But to record with it, I feel like the drummer would have to be really good at using an electronic kit, you know, because yeah. it does feel very different. The yeah. rebound, especially on the cymbals, not even close to the same thing. Yeah. I guess the mesh, the mesh heads are going to be the closest compared to rubber um, when it comes to feel. And the, uh, the, Double bass pad I have now is a Roland one, but when I had a Roland kit a long time ago, I actually got a Yamaha. Uh, it was a bigger bass drum, like sensor pad, and it actually felt a lot more real, like a real kick because yeah. of how big it was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're like this thick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, did you actually put a real big. head on that one? I know some mm-hmm. do the coated heads. Okay. No, it wasn't big enough for that. It was probably only like 12, 12 or 13 inches, but it's okay. still like the, the Roland one I have now is maybe eight. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? It's real yeah. small. So two pedals can barely fit on it. Cause I think they're really only were meant for one. Yeah. I think it's so um, cool. That's like, you're doing country songs and like, well, I got a double pedal too, ready to go <laughs> whenever I want to <laughs> or, or can. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's there just in case. Cause I, I don't know what each gig is going to, um, 
offer when it comes to any of that. You know what yeah. I mean? I got to be ready yeah. just in case, but it's also a placement thing. It's really cool to be able to have my double pedal there because my hi-hat's always in the right spot, even if the carpet gets messed up because I mark the carpet. That's like true. I did for my, the drummers I've worked for. Just makes the day-to-day easier to yeah. have everything already memory locked and marked so nothing changes. It's great too. If something happens to the right kicker quick, you can just go right to the yep. left and at least finish 100%. a song or something, you know? Yep. Which, yeah, man. That's, and you uh, can throw in some double bass licks every now and then, even with some country stuff, uh, just like little, little tiny fills every now and then. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've heard them for like some, it. some drummers. I was like, that was a double kicker. That's, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> tasteful. Tasteful. I know tasteful. some people, some guys that I watch that are really, really good drummers don't use double kick. And some say it's cheating, but I'm like, you use two hands. Why can't you use two feet? I don't understand. Yeah. 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 Just vary it up. You know what I mean? Some hits are like that. Some pros, like if you, if you listen to like, uh, places that teach you drums and stuff online, like some of the really old guys will, will tell you that where it's like, well, the left kicker has a little different pressure, even though it's the same as this. And if you use it here and then you use this right to accent it. So you might be going like, da, 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 da. And he's like, do that. Da, 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 da. And even the da, da with the left first and then combine it with the, and you could do the same thing with one kick, but somehow it's, it's, uh, you know, it's all about, um, dynamics. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, I agree. Actually to go back, I know you had asked and touched on this, the, the teching thing. So I actually started working for all the remains. Do you know those guys from that yeah, area? Up yeah. There? Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, so I worked for them for three years ish, three or four years up until 2019. Okay. Um, so they were like the first band that kind of broke me into the teching side and I helped with some playback and stage managing and smaller, um, tours for the most part. Okay. But that just means the crew usually wears multiple hats. So yeah. it's yeah. great experience. If you're looking to keep working your way up as a tech or even just stay in the music industry in general, I would always say go work for uh, a band, even if it's a band and trailer tour, helping them out with everything they can. Cause you will learn so much. Yeah. Um, cause there's not really a school for techs. There are uh, no, schools yeah. for audio production, obviously, uh, when it comes to recording or live. And I know Nashville has some uh, like audio guys that just focus on monitors for their degree and all that stuff, but they don't have a drum tech course anywhere. They don't have a guitar tech course anywhere. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm aware, they don't have a stage manager course anywhere. They don't have a production manager course anywhere. No. All of these things are huge jobs on tour and you make great livings doing it. People just don't know about them. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something um, that you teach. A lot of the stuff in the industry is not, you can't learn it. You have to experience it. You know, the sound stuff, mm-hmm. definitely. But there's just a lot, even like being a band manager, it's like, I've seen some courses on it, but it's like, there's no there's no gateway. There's no like course that you can just foul and, and there you go. You know what I mean? Nope. Nope. Um, but yeah, that's definitely the, the start was with all that remains for the most part. Um. So they, they kind of launched me into the teching side of things. I networked with a lot of bands we had toured with, including Whitechapel, and I teched for them in 2016 uh, for a lot of that year. And then I worked with Atreyu on Warp Tour at the same time as Whitechapel. Wow. Uh, so doing double duty on one tour like that was a lot. Yeah, I can only Obviously imagine. Obviously, you get paid double, which is cool. But yeah, it was long days, man. Warp Tour is crazy. You would loan in at like 7.30 in the morning. And everybody loads in at the same time behind each stage. Everybody has their stuff in a semi. You yeah. set up all of your gear. And then you find out around 9.30 or 10 when you play that day. It changes every day. So some days I was like Whitechapel and Atreyu right after each other. Same stage. <laughs> at the time, Brandon was using three kick drums. 
and a wow. full three-sided rack, a bunch of cymbals. Ben from Whitechapel, their old drummer, he was using two kick drums, a bunch of toms, a bunch of cymbals, and I had to work both those kits, changing heads every day, polishing everything up every day, yep. tuning Planning it every day. It. Yeah. And then when you have five-minute changeovers, is what they want you to do. I'm taking one kit off, trying to put it away while putting another one back up. It's not really ideal, but man, talk about hardcore drum tech training. Yeah. I was I so bad for the drum tech guys because I go, they got the hardest job. You know what I mean? I mean, it's all perspective. It's more physical most of the time. Yes. I say, I always say you want to be a bass tech man, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you don't want to have to deal with too many electronics, yeah. Um, don't be a guitar tech, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Cause those guys have to deal with a lot, especially with Kempers and all the different kinds of amplifiers and pedals and guitars. And yep. it's an insane uh, drums are just as complicated. If you get into, um, all the electronics, you know, or if you get into the playback side of it too, which yeah. I did. Um, but I actually ended up wanting to stop teching in 2019 after I did a couple months with, um, uh, all the remains and Attila. Um, I was kind of just burned out because I wanted to play and I wasn't getting any playing opportunities and being yeah. on the road kind of took away from my own personal practice time and my own development. Cause I was only worrying about somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have time to do it. So, right. So I quit kind of, um, before their next tour. And then I started just doing construction again. And then I got the call to work for Marilyn Manson to do playback <laughs> and drums for him. That's right. Yeah. I read that too. Yeah. So that ended up leading into the pandemic, which, um, all of our tours got canceled, obviously. And then he got canceled, um, which is an unfortunate situation. He was always nice to me and I don't know anything about any of the stuff he was accused of. Um, yeah. very professional to me and treated me very well. Uh, in any case, besides that, right after that, during the pandemic, I was out of a job, obviously. And that's when the corn gig came along. And then that's how I met the guys from stained. And that's why I'm here. There you go. And you're yeah. still going to be on tour for a little, how, uh, what's the end date for this year? <laughs> you said, so we have dates all the way up until September 4th, and then we switch to Stained for that whole month for the most part. And then okay. I think the 20, the 28th or 29th, we go back to Aaron Lewis solo full band. Okay. Yeah. Cause I read uh, everyone in upstate New York, Indian ranch is going to be the closest to me, September 3rd. And that'll be, out, the, that'll be the second to last gig for you for there. Okay. A lot of yeah. your fans, they, what do they request the most? Like country boy, um, obviously the Stained songs. I would say they probably shout out the stain songs more than the, the country ones. We, we usually open the set with country boy, so they don't need to request it. Yeah. We play it first. Okay. Get out um, of the way. So yeah, it's, it's usually, um, a lot of people shout mud shovel. We're not <laughs> yeah. going to, we're not going to play that it's a little <laughs> yeah. too heavy for this gig. It's even the yeah. stain songs we do play. They're a little bit more ballady. Like you were saying with the steel yeah. or dobro, it changes well, it. Aaron's more acoustic bass, even though it was a full band, it is more of an acoustic bass set to me because mm -hmm. um he's he's using it for almost every song, you know. Mm -hmm. And um even songs like Outside, you know, I mean that's a that's a perfect one to do that way. But with that country twist, so I want to bring back everyone if you've never seen Aaron Lewis on tour and you like the rock stuff, even if you don't like country, it's still it's still Aaron Lewis and they give it that country twist, which is which is cool. It's just not something that you're expecting. But then also the rock layer is is still there because you have Aaron's vocals and then you have the same guitar parts. Um, I do. I can tell you though the drum parts are different than they are. Yeah. Yep. As we talked so, I about mean, late earlier. It, yeah, we play right here, and um, it's been a while. 
are the yes. two main full band songs we do with stained music. And then he does an acoustic set at the end of our full band set. Oh, wow. um, so we do about an hour of full band and then he comes up and plays 30 minutes to an hour of just acoustic. Wow. Um, but usually the lead guitar player comes out with an acoustic guitar with him. And then also our dobro player plays steel. He does both. Yep. Um, but when he does the acoustic set, he only plays dobro. So it's three up front now and it sounds pretty cool to have the dobro up there. It's a really interesting instrument that people don't really know about. Nice. A lot of people confuse it with a steel guitar because that's a similar twang to use as a slide, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's but, cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. It adds the dynamic and people love the acoustic side of it too. Um, but to have both full band and acoustic, you're getting like double for your money kind of, cause he does the acoustic tour so often. Um, yeah. so it's probably nice yeah. to mix it up with the full band. Yeah. So guys, definitely go out, grab some tickets, see David here on tour. I had another webcam right here. Sorry guys, right here. <laughs> Thanks guys so much, for, uh, very much for tuning in here. We're live every Tuesday night on uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. UK time. Um, all the, yes, all these uh, interviews that we do that you hear are pre-recorded. I'm going to pull back the curtain because all you guys are on tour and studio time. It's whenever we're we're free. You know, I mean, we were going to do this earlier last week, but uh, some hot- schedule, hot- that's yeah, hotel. Well, it's on the hotel. I'm going to blame it on that hotel. Can't always check in early. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate having you on here. Anybody out there, you know, check out his uh, vlog and his videos here, especially if you are a drummer and you want to learn some different things. You have some different styles in there. And um, just following the the situation of somebody on tour, and if, if you're a musician and you, and you love that kind of stuff, or you want to do it someday, you know, uh, you're really personable. So I'm sure if somebody messaged you and be like, you know, I want to be a drum tech or something someday, he'd actually give you some advice. 100%. Yeah, yeah. We're all the he, same. He confirmed it, folks. Yeah, we're all the same. <laughs> so yeah, it's David Nestor Drums on Instagram and YouTube. Those are like the main ones. And Facebook, too, if you guys do Facebook. All right. Well, follow him everywhere and uh, make sure you check out his stuff with Aaron Lewis here. Oh, are you going to be on any music videos or records coming up with Aaron? That's what I want to know. Uh, not that I know of yet. Okay. Uh, there were some talks about that, but um, that's another conversation that will last a long time. But the Nashville style of recording, they usually use their in-house studio musicians. And then there's live musicians separate. So there's yeah. almost a whole different group that does it. So I hope to in the future and I'm always open to do studio work and stuff, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. All right. When you get your home studio set up, let me know. And then maybe we can get you on a Palangi track here. I would love (laughs) to be on one, man. That'd be a lot of fun. Cool. Do some hard rock stuff. Be cool. I'm into that. All right. Thanks guys very much for tuning in. We're going to have some more interviews coming up here. We usually have one or two a month. And then uh, I've been mixing it up with uh, playing songs from specific albums too. Like I played the whole uh, Master of Puppets record, not just because it's uh, Stranger Things made it popular again, but it's it's cool God, actually, because yeah. I'm like, not a lot of people listen to the full records anymore. You know, it's all on playlists and split up. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear more of that kind of stuff. I think it went over well. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in with the Mixcloud, too. We've been top 100, whether it's uh, garage rock, hard rock, classic rock, with, you know, each show and each interview. So I don't know who's listening out there. So make sure you chime in on our social media, okay? And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, David, so much. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys later. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast version here of Palangi Studio of Rock, only on Radio Wigwam. 
Catch the live shows every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 UK. Chime in on our social medias and make sure you see any of these video repeat podcasts on YouTube and go to frankplanetg.com. Appreciate it. Hope you guys come back and I will see you soon.